Welcome back to another episode of On the Mic with Mike Peters. This was a fun one. I talked to Steven Rogers, who is a comedian from the Syracuse area. He's working in New York City now, works with Brian Regan, and made his late night debut on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert in June. I talked to him about all of that. This dude works incredibly hard. He has a podcast with Andrew Chavon that releases every Monday. It's called Panic Attacking. So if you want to find out how much of an anxiety-riddled mess this man is, listen to that. He is an incredibly big comedy nerd, and it's easy to see why he's had so much success. Please, let me know what you think about this one. You guys are going to love him. If you have not seen Steven Rogers live, go see him live. He puts on a great show. Uh, we worked together in Cortland on December 27th. We taped this right before that show. So please, please enjoy this one. Tell your friends. Follow along on Twitter and Instagram at On the Mic with Mike Peters. Twitter handle is OTMW Mike Peters. Couldn't get all the characters there. Rate and review the podcast. Come back every week. I'll see you next Friday. Peeling back my sunburned skin. I'll wait outside your bedroom. I hope they let me in. Thanks for being here. Thank Liverpool. you. Thank you for having me. You yeah. made the long trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two minutes. <laughs> yeah, house. yeah. Four minutes from my parents' house. So what's it? What's it like being back? It's. Uh, I was. I was telling you this library is amazing because it was not when I lived here, and uh, I I love it. It's. Uh, it's really cool, but it's good to be home. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. We had a pledge allegiance moment. <laughs> yeah, there's a giant <laughs> flag. Yeah, I've never done. I've never done this patriotic. It, it really does feel like a principal's office kind of vibe, or like the conference room. I don't like it, but uh, it's yeah. Well, I reserved the room, and on the website, <laughs> they were like, "Okay, well, which you want, and how? What setup do you want?" And I'm like, "Oh, wow. no, I just wanted." I wrote in the note, "Low maintenance as possible." Yeah, me and him. I just need a chair and a desk. Yeah. And they, so I called and they're like, oh no, I'm surprised you got this. I was oh, like, I didn't want it. I oh, just okay, it. man. Yeah. So whatever. It worked out though. Yeah. It looks like uh, every conference room and every, like, we can liar, liar when he roasts all the, the partners. Yes. That's exactly what it looks like in here. I kind of, I want to ask you, uh, you're 26, 27. Yeah. Whatever. You've always wanted to be a comedian, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Was there any any movie, any actor, any show that really grabbed you and said, okay, pointed you in that direction? Uh, Jim Carrey w- was definitely one. Uh, Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura 2, and Liar Liar. Ace Ventura, you like Ace Ventura 2? Way better. First? I like it way better. Really? Oh, it's so good. Podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking about how people don't... I've heard people roast it recently because it's on Netflix or something. I think it's a fun movie. I think it's I think fine. it's way better. I just think... The first one was more explosive. Now, I'm older than you, uh, okay. so I saw that one yeah. first in the theater. Oh, I, I, I see. So maybe that's why I, I haven't seen either way. in theater. But uh, ah, I love I love the second one way more because Tommy Davidson in it. He's great. Yes, yes. I it took me a while to find out that was Tommy. Oh, Davidson. really? Well, because everyone's painted like yeah, to true. look like tribesmen and everything. Also, I didn't know about any comics when I was a kid. I just thought this guy was hilarious. And then that scene is one of my favorite scenes. And then I remember watching it again later and being like, oh, my God, that's Tommy yeah. Davidson. Like, liking that there was other comedians in well, it. Well, I grew up watching In Living Color. Yes. So yeah, that's yeah. where I saw Jim Carrey. So when I see a movie like yeah. Mr. Tour 2, I'm like, oh, he yeah. brought Tommy Davidson with him. I love that Color. stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. That, that's why I'm a huge Sandler fan. Yeah. It's because he works with the same oh, guys of course. over and over. Kevin Smith, same way. Yeah, so yeah. So anybody, you know, and that's kind of what comedy is for yeah. me. It's like, okay, well, the people you started out with, okay, well, I'll remember you. Yeah, and, yeah. And I'll try to hook you up. I love that uh, camaraderie stuff of of you looking. It's almost like the Stan Lee cameos, but for yeah. comedy, you're just like, when is Sandler going to put his funny in, like his friends and are we going to see Steve Buscemi in this one? That right. kind of stuff. Which and that's such a weird pair. Oh, I love it. Like, through their progression of the career, you go, like, oh, well, they were in Airheads together. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Buscemi's in Fargo. Like, yeah, it's so oh. weird how that worked out but he's I love always stuff. up for this dumb character that mm-hmm. Sandler puts him in yeah of course Sandler does buy everybody a car at, when he gets to a certain movie like I think the 16th or 17th movie they're in somebody gets a car oh really I think so that's funny because in Mr. Deeds they, they all get a car right that's right. funny and that might have been <laughs> might have driven that home. oh that's so, great that's 
another perk to working with him. Oh man, I didn't know that. I believe so. Yeah, it's hey, uh, only uh, seventeen more for us. Exactly. <laughs> we get a car. Man, uh, <laughs> that's that's the thing. Like, yeah. These and these rich celebrities, like, oh, okay, yeah. like I need another miles around you. Yeah, whatever. Well, you're almost there. Yeah, I'm so close. <laughs> like I said. Well, I mean, everybody probably knows is listening to this, but you work a lot with Regan. Yes. Regan. And yeah. How how much has that helped? I mean, obviously it's helped your career, but right. just your state of mind. I mean, how much has that kind of calmed you down, or has that made you more anxious? Or uh, there's times where nothing to do with him. It's all self-inflicted. The anxious yeah. part, but like. Uh, you know, is this the last time? Did I do well enough to deserve this? Are people mad that I have this? So that's all me. But uh, he has done way more than I, I don't even, I, he's like, he's definitely been the teacher for me. I don't know if he knows how much he's taught me. Because one thing he does, which I, I really am trying to get better at, is uh, just how selfless he is off stage with every when he comes backstage and he'll come up to every person working in the theater and introduce himself hey how you doing i'm brian good to see you just gives everybody a little bit of time thanks everybody and like you know we're all a team we're all making this show it's not just me because my name's on the ticket like this person makes this show important this person makes this show work he's very good to everyone and i, I like that because that makes everyone excited for him when he comes back, and they makes everyone excited to do the show. That's something that I think a lot of us don't think about when we're doing comedy. It's so smart too, because no matter how well the show goes, it, it, you know, if the sound guy has a good impression of Brian off stage, yeah. he's going to probably tell a couple people. That's true. Who are going to go? So, like, I mean, it'll get people there. It's yeah. good, good PR. Yeah, it is good PR. And also, it's a good way to sleep at night. So right, <laughs> there's yeah. that, too. Well, my parents are teachers, and yeah. they always said, treat everybody well. But right, of course. Always treat uh, the secretaries and the janitors best. Yeah. Because they're the people who could make your days easier and make your days way harder. Right. Like, my dad and mom, they forget things all the time in school, so they have to call the, the janitors mm. who are there on the weekend. Yeah. Or they're early. They help them out so much. So they absolutely yeah. instilled that in me. Like, like, if I go and have a room... I, I go there early to set up, and mm -hmm. I stay late to put it back where I found it. And I thank the bartenders. I tip them. I yeah. do whatever. That's because, a, you, because, again, you never know when that could be your last show. Right. So all the goodwill goes into it. Yeah, th like there's a way to uh, appeal to the – I do it because I, I have this desperate need to be, in my mind, a good person so I can right. sleep. Uh, and live with myself but there's also the it does help your career and it does make people want to see you again and want you to come back but I think it's like I I always feel guilty that I can't tip the waitresses more or you know uh, can't give the sound guy some cash because yeah. everyone if people if audiences knew how much the other people make the show great like because you've ever done a show where there's no music yeah or, like, there's no... Uh, I did a show where one time the guy went up to introduce me. The microphone didn't work, and he shrugged and just brought me up. So How's you, that going to work? Right. So there's there, you got to appreciate the other people that are a part of the show. Uh, they make your job easier just by doing theirs well. So that's a big thing that he's taught me. Now, when did you start doing stand-up? Um, high school? Two years out of high school. Yeah, so you're yeah. about 20 years old? 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you probably struggled at the start, but... Oh, I was so you, bad. Your first time on stage, did you feel like you were meant to be there? No. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Not, not even close. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that feeling. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think I... I know I, I was like, I want this. Yeah. I think I have this feeling of want to feel meant to be there. That's the feeling I have. I, I love it. And that was the thing. It was like, oh, yeah, um, anything else will not make me this happy. Did, do you remember any of the first jokes you had? Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were bad. <laughs> so, they were so real bad. Anyway, I, yeah, I mean, I remember the one that everyone loves to make me remember. It's funny. It's like when you're doing, I imagine a lot of comics listen to this, your beginning jokes that got their first laughs, and then when you got better than them, People like to remind you of them as if they're your siblings rem reminding you of the stupid stuff you did as a yeah. kid. It's like, uh, I have jokes that are equivalent to pooping my pants. <laughs> it's like, uh, I have one. Oh, God. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I met this girl that worked at the zoo, and I don't want to speak too soon, but I'm pretty sure she's a keeper. I heard that one. Yeah, that's, uh, oof, God. But did it get laughs? It got laughs. It did well, and, like, and, and you know, it's, uh, I heard someone do an amazing, uh, uh, is it an analogy or metaphor? Yeah, I'm real bad. You can tell I'm an English major. Uh, <laughs> some of these jokes are like uh, spare tires. You need them to get to the top of the hill, but you don't want them to be on your body of work. That makes sense. So, like, that's what a lot of my jokes were when I started. Was like, I can tell these, like, these are getting the laughs, so I need to use these, but they're not going to be the things that I keep. You know, they're helping me now. Around that. Right, right, right. They're helping me grow and and get to where I need to go, so I can get a pit stop and put a, a decent tire in. So I have a lot of those that I try to bury. <laughs> I, I what I noticed about you, I've known you for. I actually, you probably don't remember this. My first open mic, you were there, Maddie B's. Yeah, yeah. You just moved, right? Yep. But you you left. You and R. J. McCarthy left right before I went on. Oh, because you had to go back to. Syria. Well, yeah, it's so long. But no, but I remember seeing you then. I mean, it was like three and a half years ago, right? Uh, July thirteenth. Uh, okay. Like, yeah, I remember the date. So uh, I remember every date. I, I'm good at dates. I'm good at dates, not on dates. So I'm aware of that. Oh, that's so, funny. So, um, but I remember that, and and I remember seeing you and RJ, mm-hmm. and I had no idea what the scene, the comedy scene was. Right. If Syracuse is good or bad or indifferent, if Binghamton, what I had no idea. But I saw you and RJ, and I think RJ went first, and then you went. You were so far polished. I mean, you and RJ. Mm. You both were, were so far, in my opinion, advanced than the, than the other people on there. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, I wow. remember these guys, so maybe, you know, I could work with them or, right. or you know, be seen by them, do whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it was, but I mean, you were probably three or four years in at that point. And I mean, is that just, you developed that by, by a steady work ethic, I assume. Yeah. I always have this feeling of I'm not doing enough. And it's funny, in Syracuse or in upstate New York comedy, for people that don't know, most of your uh, gigs are driving two hours or an hour and a half or whatever to get stage time. And it's like five or seven minutes. Uh, if it's a mic or, you know, hopefully you're doing a show where you get to do 10. So that was a big thing is like when I lived here, we would have to go to Binghamton because we only had maybe two mics. There'd always be at most two mics in Syracuse. So if you wanted decent stage time, you'd have to drive at one point during the week. So we'd go to Binghamton a lot. But like if you bomb in a scene with only one or two mics, you might have to wait a week before you get to go on stage again and sit on that. And you have to sit on that. So a lot of the work needs to be done at home or coffee shop or whatever you, you do. That was a big thing was like you can't just rest on whatever was done that night at the mic. Because also there's people like you or Bill Lake or RJ or whoever where you want you don't see them. So right. you want to hang out with your buddies and then you want to have fun and do obviously get the work done. But, you know, part of comedy is having fun, a big part of it. So get the work done at home was a big thing for me. I always felt like I wasn't doing enough. So it was it was fear of not doing well and fear of not getting better that made me work uh, and write constantly at, at home. Well, there was there was one message you sent me that really I look back and I think about you have no idea, I'm sure. Oh, God. But I, I just started doing hosting duties at the open mic at Maddie B's. Mm. And I got a message from you. Uh, you were coming back from Philly, I think, and you yeah. needed to. You hadn't been on stage for a day or two, oh, and God. you're like, "Hey, is the mic still happening? I'm on my way back to Syracuse, but I want to stop and get a mic." And I'm like, "And you know, Syracuse is an hour plus from Binghamton, but I'm yeah. like, I remember, I remember that. I'm like, okay, that's a guy who's dedicated. Oh wow, and he just didn't want to miss this. And I don't know if you had. To, I'm sure you had a show coming up the weekend, but whatever. You just had the shakes. You just had to, yeah. had to get on stage, and I really, I think back about that, and I'm like, okay, I got it. That makes sense. Well, I, that's that sounds like me. Also, uh, anything to break up a, a, a drive. <laughs> right. uh, no, uh, it is me. Like last night, I, I'm doing your show tonight. Yeah. Uh, last night, I was like, I got to get on stage because you know it's the holidays, yep. and uh, I don't mean to break the illusion of when this was recorded, no. but uh, I I'm gonna I'm closing your show, and and to get just seven minutes of, sh- you know, scraping the rust off yeah. the night before is nice. 
so going to a low stakes room like an open mic in my hometown where everyone knows me you know it's different when it's all your friends in the room or whatever so just i'm like i need to just get in front of a microphone talk and and break the the dry spell now you're in new york city now yeah what's your biggest gap in stage time i mean is it less than a day anymore you get um, up there all the time i get up a lot sometimes i will take a day off okay i think that's is that important I'm finding that's important. The stubborn person in me feels guilty right away for taking a day off, but uh, it's needed. And a day off from running around, I'll probably still look at the notebook and still write thoughts and maybe listen to a set. I do a lot of open... I make up for lost time in New York, and I do a lot of open mics, and they're not different there than they are here. It, it, It can be draining. Right. Uh, people, you know, you're performing in front of. Uh, it's like the DMV of comedy. People are just waiting their turn in line, and, and then they leave. And then they leave. Yeah. But then there's, but that's all to make the shows better. And so I'll never say no to a show. So mics are just like going to the gym. And some days I'm like, I need to rest. Yeah. I need to have some mental health. Hang out with my girlfriend, or, or just hang out with a buddy. Go get dinner, or you know, be lazy for a day. But I'd say a day is my most. I can't take two off in a row. I go to I go to therapy. I love I go, it. Oh. I'm going there at three o'clock today. Oh so man, right. Uh, it's the best. I best love it so much. I've made. How long have you been going? I've been going about eight months. Do you think that's been better for your your comedy? I you mean, just your or just your overall mental state. If 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 uh, if yeah, she like if she's listening, she has saved my life. Yeah. I love therapy so much i recommend it it's great um it, i think it's it's very helpful for comedy as at least my comedy as well i i think it's great my therapist gets on me all the time she's like you know it's okay to not do something yeah and i'm like well i've got i've got this venue i've put the show together i have three shows this weekend i've got this she's like you know you don't have to do anything on a monday Mm. And I go, yeah, but I'm not doing anything Sunday. So if I take Monday off, right, here, right. And she's like, you're your own biggest enemy for that. Yeah, that's a big part of of it. Um, that I try to. It's funny uh, how much of uh, I focused on having a work ethic, and now the problem with of having leisure time and and giving yourself the mental health days is how much the the hard worker in me gets angry at myself for doing it. So it is finding a ba- uh they say you don't find a balance you create a balance. So that's a big thing is is finding a system that works for you and and that half 20% of the system is creating a new system. So I'm still trying to figure it out but I do I love going to therapy. I love uh I love going to parks. I love getting out and you know even going to the gym something that isn't comedy is it's important to have something that isn't comedy because when comedy becomes your job or your life, you know, people look at people that have jobs, they take break from those right. jobs. So you can still love comedy. I'm still obsessed with comedy, but you gotta, you gotta be a person still. Well, I'm sure, you know, like the Berbiglia thing yeah, where he rented an office space and made that his nine to five job. I'm thinking about doing that too. I think it's a great idea if you can do it. Yeah. And that'll force you because I always look at this, like, like if I paid for a gym membership, I'm not going to miss the gym. Like right. I, I'm not going to throw money away. Yeah. And if I paid for an office building or a section, I'm going to go there every day because otherwise, like that's the only reason I went to class at college every day. Yeah. Because I didn't want my college to, to make money off of me. Right. I wanted to get everything I could. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's a smart thing. You need the work ethic to do it. Yeah. And to hold, hold yourself to the fire. Of course. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people I'm noticing. Do you think, think uh, the upstate scene helped you out? I mean, in developing, because I know you can get longer sets here. You can get more. I don't know if you get more shows, but but they're there, and you can do more time. I think it was a perfect place to start. You know, also I love my home, and I was a I'm I was 20 years old, definitely younger than my age mentally when I started. And you're I had, grown now. I, I don't know about that, <laughs> but uh, as far as like. No life experience. Only lived at my parents' house. When I I went to community college, still lived at home. Uh, You know, I didn't really have... I was afraid of getting in trouble, so I didn't really act out. And I have really supportive parents. So it was very sheltered, uh, but in a good... You know, whatever. That's for therapy. But uh, (laughs) uh, so it was a good place to start as far as 
low it's low stakes to go to be like i'm gonna do comedy and then move to new york with no experience is something i don't think i would have if i had done it i probably would have moved back and stopped right i'm glad i did the mics i'm glad i uh i focused on it's also good training wheels like you got one club i focused on getting into to the funny bone I focused on getting everyone's respect in the mic scene and and learning how to use mics was important to learn because, uh, you know, some people just do their regular stuff at mics and the same that they would do in, a, in front of an audience. So I learned a lot and it's easier because there's less people, there's less things to choose from. And then also getting, like you said, comfortable on long sets because there's so many few comedians to choose from, you get opportunities quicker. Yeah. And you have to rise to the occasion, which has been most of my career, is just getting things before I think I'm ready. Uh, well, I, I was on Scranton. I talked to a couple of comedians, Olivia Grace yeah. and Liz Oh, Cassidy. man. Oh, and wow. There. I, I figured, okay, well, I, uh, I love both of them. Yeah, they're great. And, you know, the show was plugged online. I'm like, hey, I got a Saturday free. I'll go down yeah. and see them. And we were talking afterward, and we closed down the bar. Yeah. The bar's actually, the keys actually closed down for good. But, <laughs> but uh, they were saying, hey, we'll do a show with you if we can, because we, we'd love to get 20 minutes. Yeah. Because they're, you know, I mean, Olivia, I don't know what Liz is doing, but Olivia's been with Stanhope. She's yeah. been able to stretch a little bit. Lizzie Cassidy's but, one of yeah. my favorites in New York. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Oh, and, and they were great so on funny. stage and great off stage. Yeah. Yeah. I had no complaints. No, but, they're great people. But that's the thing. Like, I think you need to, you need to get out of the city just to see what you've developed. So it's not the same 10 minutes or, or that's a, That's a thing is like back to the balance thing. Like when you move to New York, you're like, I just want to get everybody's respect and get in every single club in New York, which is, you know, I'm one of those people that thought that when I moved. But you create – so you write a bunch in New York because you're in front of all these people. And, you know, if you, if you favorite some mics, you're going to see those same comics again. So you want to have them see different stuff. But that's in your head too. You, it's – Finding what works for you right. is the most important thing. But also, if you have, if you're coming from the road, meaning like outside of New York, where you lived in another major city or like a small one like Syracuse, um, use what you have outside to come back, like you said, and make sure that uh, what you're creating in New York is not just for New York. Right. Because there's so many people that have. Subway material and bodega jokes, and you go. If I did those in Syracuse, it's a lot of explaining before the joke. Yeah, is it worth it? Is the joke worth it? Kind of thing. Well, I think you get that trouble everywhere. Like if you're yeah. a Syracuse comic and you only have jokes about that's true. Syracuse University, right? How's that going to work in Scranton? That's true. You know, Good no, point. You can, everybody's got an office joke, so that's going to work. Right, right. The office has all those satellite branches, so you yeah. can work on that. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's 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 good. Uh, you probably told this story so many times. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you know where I'm going with this. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you got, I don't want to say, I mean, fortunate is the right word, but you worked your... I got very off, lucky. Uh, but you got noticed by Regan. Yeah. And can you take me through that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I did the... Um, the Lucy Fest in Jamestown, New York, uh, where the home of the National Comedy Center. If anyone gets a chance, go. It's very, it's amazing. But before that existed, they would have this festival in the hometown of of uh, Lucille Ball, and it's this killer comedy festival I knew about since I started in Syracuse because it's upstate yeah. New York. It's western New Not York. Not a whole lot of festivals going on around here. No, no, it's probably the closest one. Yeah, and uh, I was doing a show. And uh, Buffalo, and they saw me and, and said, we'd love to have you on the festival, which was very nice. And uh, they have huge comics. On my show alone, they had Sam Morrill. Wow. Um, and that was four years ago? Something like that. So he hadn't yeah. exploded at all. He, hadn't, like, he probably hasn't exploded yet. Comedy but... fans knew who oh, he yeah, was, yeah. but yeah, as far as... Where he's gotten to, not, well, he's like he's a one killer. Of the best joke writers around. He's, uh, he's just a killer. He's so good. Uh, and a bunch of other comics uh tony tony Dale, keith alberstadt sammy obeed i believe uh, um the list goes on it was an amazing lineup and uh dulce sloan that's who i was trying to think oh of. she's great too. yeah she's great so the main headliner was brian regan and uh trevor noah and lewis black so i'm like oh my god wow. these okay. three heavy hitters right and you know you go and it's great. So you get to go to the shows for free, and I never saw Brian live. And I was like, I, yeah, he's I'm, been your favorite. I definitely one one of my. He's on my Rushmore. Yeah. Uh, 
I honestly, obviously, I have more respect for him now because I get to see him live a lot. But uh, I've always liked him. I got to see him live, and I was like, this is just better than I always imagined it would be. And he was just destroying and awesome, and it was so fun. And I had to run to my show, and which was they staggered it so everyone could kind of go to every show. If they, now it's too busy, so I I'm, I get to my show and they're all crazy. Like the people running the show are a little anxious, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? They're like, well, Brian Regan's coming to this show, and I'm like, all right, like I needed one. More yeah, thing. yeah, I was like, I think it was my first, maybe it was my first show I hosted the night before, so it's my first long set at the festival and i was like uh, all right well let's you know hopefully he shows up after i'm done because i was first on the lineup i didn't want him in the audience right i didn't want him to see me because you don't want one of your like i consider him a hero at the time more now it's weird we're yeah. like friends but like uh to have, perform in front of your hero when you have no self-esteem is not a good mix so uh the host is introducing me and as i'm walk as i'm walking on stage i look and i see brian sit down and to watch and i immediately start freaking out in my head but i just do my set and as you as you know you're a comic you have an order in your head this joke connects to this so this should go here and this and that it was as if you shuffled my set oh because no they're all they were all getting laughs but they weren't connected like they usually are so it was very scattered in my mind and I'm looking to where I know he is. I can't see him, so I can't tell if he's laughing. Every, you know, thankfully everyone's laughing, yeah. so you can't pinpoint uh, it. And it's a wide room. And my girlfriend at the time was taking pictures, and every picture she took, I'm facing where Brian's sitting. Oh, okay. So I'm not, uh, not hiding not anything yet. in my head. I'm not. And then I get off stage, and uh, I hit stop on my record. I, at one point, I should mention this. When you're scatterbrained on stage, you know, it's, it's nice to have some time to re to recalibrate. And there was a huge screen with my picture on it. And I was wearing the same shirt that I was in right. that picture. And I was like, uh, I just want everyone to know I have more than one shirt. And it got an applause break. And I'm like, that's all I needed. And it was like, okay, this joke, this joke, this joke, then, then this yeah. one. And then the rest of the set did, in my mind, better. And I get off stage and I hit stop on my recorder and I look up and Brian's gotten up and standing right in front of me. And he's he goes, hey, he reaches out and shakes my hand. He goes, just wanted to say great set. And I said, you too. <laughs> Not as a joke because right. I saw him earlier, but he didn't know that. So yeah. he laughed at me because it looked like I was referencing one of his jokes. So uh, he sits down and I freak out. And people had come up to me that worked for the festival saying, we're so glad you didn't know he was in the room. So nobody knew that it oh, had yeah. rattled me. Wow. But uh, I'm still, I'm kind of re-feeling, as you could tell by yeah. the <laughs> the yeah. delicateness that I'm telling the story, it's rattled me again. But yeah, so that was, then a month later I heard from his uh, manager. So it was crazy. That's And then obviously the life has changed. When yeah. I, when I knew, uh, I was doing that mic again at Maddie B's, and, yeah. and I don't know if I was hosting this night, but I knew you were in town, and you had to do, oh, I, I definitely was. We had like 23 people, 24 people from, you just come in on that Wednesday. Yeah. It was like, I think one or two cars from Syracuse, one or two cars from Scranton. Mm -hmm. It was packed. And I knew you had, you were going to Washington, or Oregon. One of, you're on the West Coast with him. That would have been my second show with him. Okay, so I knew... Oh, like, first. First like, show with him. Was it first? My first show with him. Yeah. Uh, maybe I did at the time, but I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe Steve gets a little extra time. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I, I'm not a fan of lighting people. Yeah. Usually at an open mic, like, people oh, wear material. I remember this but night. But yeah, but it was it was just packed night. I think you and RJ yeah. and were like 8th and ninth or whatever. Yeah. And I think you'd gone like 10 minutes, like yeah. 12 minutes maybe at most. But yeah, I didn't. I got a bad review on that one. Yeah, and I was like, I'm like, if anybody needs the extra time, it's gonna be the guy right. who's gonna go open for Brian Regan tomorrow. Yeah, I was leaving the next. I, that's right. Yeah. I was leaving the next day. And if if any of those people are listening, you saved my uh, my life. <laughs> so like, I needed. I never felt like I was gonna be prepared enough. And maybe you know, looking back, I get. I see the other side. Why does this guy? He's already got. Right. He's already got this gig opening for uh, one of every comedian's favorite comedian. 
why why does he need 12 minutes on an open mic but when you know when you're throwing uh I'm a mountain, and you're used to molehills. Right. Uh, it's nice to have people. Thank you, by the oh, way. Oh, no problem. I mean, I, I just I, for my philosophy is that if you're working hard, you should get rewarded. Right, right, right. And like, I think you know, if I can give you two more minutes or three more minutes, whatever it is, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 such a minute detail well, of everybody's lives, so it's no problem. True, but you know, I I also I do see the other comedian's perspective, right. and. Uh, I'm sure, but the same thing comes when anyone's given an opportunity, you're like, I'm never going to feel ready. I need as much stage time as possible. Yeah. So the same thing will happen to them yeah, exactly. when it's their and turn. I'm in a position now where I'm producing so many shows that uh, I'll have people come out, come in from out of town. Yeah. Uh, Ellen Doyle is on the show yes, this night. Right. She, have you heard of her or seen her? I've heard of her, but I've never okay, seen she's her. She's very good. Yeah. And she's she's pretty much a road dog. And okay. She's, she's based in L.A. She's mm-hmm. drove back. So she just stops in like St. Louis and Arizona and whatever. She's bad at directions. <laughs> so, but she's like, "Hey, I'm going to be in town for three months. Mm-hmm. Can you help me out?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So I've got all these shows going. Like, I think I have nine or ten regular rooms right now. Right. And I'm like, "Okay, I can get you on a bunch of shows." Wow. That's what I like to do. So, yeah. You know, not. I mean, the people in town are going to get those spots. Of course. Eventually. Of course. But Ellen is only here temporarily. So right. if I can help out. On anything like that, then I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to do it. No, I get it. You know, it, it's fun for me. And it, yeah. and it, for me, it gives the audiences a different comedian. Right. And like somebody they're not like you. Like, like we're yeah. here in Portland. And when are they going to see you again? You know, right. I don't know. You know, yeah. so maybe never, maybe again. Who maybe. Knows? <laughs> but it's, and it's for me, it's like, oh, I can add somebody into that rotation and kind of, Add another month to right, you know the show. Right, so it's it's kind of weird. Like I hope people do realize that there's another plan, another step. Yeah, in everything. So I think they do. I think they I think they saw that in hindsight. They're like, oh yeah, I, I get it. You know, he needed that. Well, it's you know, certainly something I've always appreciated that you did that, and people do things anytime. You know, it's scary when you get anything that's something you're not used to what if you just found out you're auditioning for a comedy club that's right you know that would make me want more time that would make anyone want more time you're like because this is something i'm not used to and uh it doesn't matter what the scale of it is you'll never i never feel prepared enough when it's something i've never done so people like you that's it's it's nice that there's people like that that can you know there's nothing that you get out of it other than helping, yeah, you know, you I, don't. I mean, I get stage time, I get yeah, whatever. But and, I mean, yeah, in that certain s- scenario, when you, you know, when you're helping another comedian, yeah, that's of course. Those are the people that help comedy. I'm there three more minutes longer too. Right, you know, right. I'm in the same boat. Your your uh, your help. It's very selfless, and it's nice when people do that in comedy. People that do it for the love of the art. There's managers that do that in comedy, like comedy club managers. It shows. It's it, those are the people that. Uh, Make it fun. I'm not going to ask you to do the whole story, but yeah, you were on you were on Colbert. It released in June, I think. Yes, and yeah, June, maybe yeah, something like that. Um, good memory. That? Thank you. Wow, I looked it up yesterday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm very good. Um, but what was that? What was that? Uh, that whole process like? I mean, was it, is it what you expected? I mean, um, you, were, you were bumped once. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then so that sucked, obviously. But right, but you ran that. Uh, how how many times did you run that that six minute set? Oh, I don't know. Um, the same thing. Uh, the booker saw me. Uh, I came back to Lucy Fest two years later. Have you thought about just doing shows there forever? I'm going to record my album okay. there. All right. uh, <laughs> I have to do everything there if I want it to come out well. Uh, I might have to get married there. Whatever. <laughs> so my marriage works. Uh, whatever. Lucy Fest. Jamestown, New York has created my career. Um, but yeah, I was performing at that festival and the booker saw me. She was like, hey let's have you on in the fall and uh it was everything i've ever wanted all i late night is what made me want to do stand up back to what we were you were asking which, me earlier which late night guy did you want because oh they're probably okay, letterman Conan's there okay but letterman leno gone letterman was the guy that you could tell he loved comedians yeah i mean that's where i saw ray romano that's where i saw uh regan uh uh, Wendy Liebman was one of one of the people that I was like, oh, she's just slinging jokes at us. Yeah. And uh, so 
late night was always something I wanted to be on. And that's what I thought, man, if I do that, I'm a comedian. So it's like the carrot has officially been dangled in front of me. For real, I can see it. And, you know, you, you put the set together. They wanted a certain theme. And, you know, there's some collaboration. And you, and, uh, you just run it to the ground. Be, be prepared that when the time comes that you get a late night, by the time you're done with that set, you won't want to tell those jokes for a while because you're going to, you have to run it so much that it's just impossible to forget it, right. impossible to miss the beats. And yeah, they bumped me um, and I wasn't in the fall recording, but uh, they were like, we do like you and want you on. And uh, I just kept running it and hoping. And then they were like, hey, we got you a date. And then they had me record in uh, in uh, January, and then it came out in June. And, you know, it's a lot of being patient. It was a huge learning experience on how to work with other people, to trust other people, and to uh, stay humble because even the, the biggest moments in your career can humble you as much as they can boost your self-esteem. So... Uh, it was a huge learning experience. And also, once you get it, I want to do a thousand more yeah. of them now. So it's very fun. I'm so super honored. And the taping experience was unbelievable. So it was great. Do you have like a, a goal? Like, okay, well, I want to get Fallon now and Conan right. and Corden. Like, do you have like a like a hit list? I mean, I've got, I've got a, I've got, I want to be on all of them. Yeah. But you know, you do get the the thing I'm dealing. The thing you'll deal with the most and if i can impart any wisdom it's this is the after you've done something big that you've always wanted to do is you better make a goal immediately after that because the what now i don't want to use the word depression but this low you'll get they call it the dip after you've gotten what you wanted make a goal right away because i was in a slump for months after going months Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it tapes. Oh, it tapes true. and that's it true. comes it takes a while for it right. to come out. So you have the slump between it coming out and then it, Is it ever going to air? Is it ever right. going to air? And then it, what do I do now? And then it aired. This is amazing. And now what? So make goals because your brain, this is one thing I've learned in the pursuit of mental health is your brain loves problems. So find problems you want to solve. And that's a huge thing. So I do have goals. I have uh, things I want to do. I'm hoping to do uh, an album in 2020 and uh, hopefully a late nighter or more. And then, you know, you, you chase it. But, you know, hope you got to pick things that are within your control as well. Late night is not in my control. Right. Uh, Yet. Yeah. So we'll see. Now, you got, I mean, really, I can't imagine how many people get this opportunity, but you got to watch your late night set with Regan. Oh, God. Which is incredible. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, man. Yeah, that was cool. Um, you know, I, he, he's very kind, and if he was in here, he would say he had nothing to do with it. But performing in theaters with a man I think deserves more credit than he gets uh, he's an amazing comedian, a tremendous person. He gave me th- his all the times opening for him gave me the confidence perform- to perform in theaters and uh, to be like, oh my god, my jokes are good in theaters. People like these jokes. And you perform late night in a theater. There's a balcony there, and nine out of ten comedians that are doing their first late night might not know what a bel- right. to do with a balcony. I know that sounds silly, but you have to look at the balcony to acknowledge half and your you audience. Saw that in your late night set, you were like. Like this yeah. garden around. So I wanted people to know, hey, I see you. You're a part of this set as well. Um, I'm not just performing for the cameras. I'm performing yeah. for this audience. Um, and that's the thing, too. You know, People are like, oh, my God, the camera's finally on me. But there's people in the room. So he taught me every. He taught me so much. There's a lot of upstate comics that taught me everything I needed to know until I moved. And then he's taught me a lot since then. Uh, there's a lot of people that made that set make me feel comfortable for that set. But when I sat down and watched it with him and him wanting to watch it, wanting to be there for my moment was, uh, I'll never, I'll never forget it. Yeah. It was tremendous. Now, the reason I know a lot of this stuff, cause I listen to your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I listen, I'm not like just stalking you. No, no. But, well, no, yeah. I mean, and, and I know Andrew Chavone. Yes. You, you want to talk about podcasts, panic attacking. Yes. Andrew Chavone, but he was in the, he was in the, 
recording with you. He was there. He, he was there. everything in, in sight. If there's a if there's a man in this world that's more anxious than I am, uh, but is equally, uh, if not, uh, he's just. I love him. I love Andrew Chavon. If you don't know who he is, listen. Find a way to listen to his stand up or go see him. He's so funny. Good friend. We do a podcast. Comes out every Monday. Uh, called Panic Attacking, and uh, we both have anxiety. And uh, he was at my recording. He, if you, there's a part where I'm getting an applause. This wow, this sounds so self-serving. If you, the podcast is Mike Peters. It was yeah. set up to be self-serving. I know that's why I haven't made eye contact most of this recording. Uh, I don't like complimenting <laughs> myself. There's a part in my set where I get an applause break, and they pan to the audience. If you're uh, if you pause it and eagle eye it in the back of the room, there's four guys against the railing again uh, for uh, uh, the back door. Uh, Tobin Miller, who's a very funny comedian, Peter Wong, very funny comic, my father and Andrew are standing back there. And you know which one's Andrew because he is not looking at this show. He has his arms on the railing and his head down. He never watched the set. Really? He was so nervous for me that he just listened. He watched me come out, and then he got so nervous. It, it's, I mean, it shows his uh, his faith in my right. stand-up. But, uh, no, he's a, a good friend, and uh, he ate all my green room food, and he still does to this day. <laughs> but, yeah, we do this podcast. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. It's not just about comedy. It's also right. about anxiety and, and how we make light of it and dealing with it and stuff. I think my favorite episode, I don't know the names of it, but it's when you detailed your trip to go pick up Caitlin. Oh, yeah. With, with, wow. I mean, it was... Yeah, my girlfriend ago, Caitlin. That, but, yeah, it, it was just going to Massachusetts. It's just a heroin oh, trail. Oh, God. So, uh, to, to uh, give credit where credit is due, I, I'm dating a tremendous comedian and person, uh, Caitlin Palufo. Who, Does she pay you to say that? No, I just want her to listen. Okay. She doesn't listen to podcasts I'm on, so I just want her to know. Unless, what, unless it's mentioned. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't, I know she doesn't True listen. Comedian. She's never listened to a podcast I've been on, and now I'm just going to start complimenting her on okay. them. And then if if I know, I'll know she listened, if she's like, you know, that was so sweet what you said. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's fantastic. So funny. Um, and she did Colbert as well. So, um, but uh, she got a, pulled over and found out her license was expired. She was trapped in some part of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Yes. Yeah. And uh, texted me. I'm at a show with Andrew. She's like, what are you doing tomorrow? And uh, I'm like, well, I have a feeling you're going to tell me. And, uh, you know, it's the moment where you're like, okay, I have to be a boyfriend for whatever this is. And she was trapped there, and I had to come out. And uh, do you want me to tell this? this? No, not the oh. thing. But okay, uh, yeah. So she got stuck, and uh, and I had to take a Greyhound bus halfway, and then uh, get an Uber the other half. And the Uber driver tried to scam me and take my money and all this stuff. And uh, it it's a good episode. I don't remember what it's early on. And yeah, it's gotta and, be like seventh or eighth. Yeah, like it might be even early. I'm not sure, but uh, it's something about Ubers or something is the title. But yeah, it's a crazy story. Has that podcast been therapeutic for you? I good for you. It's the hardest I've I've laughed sometimes is is hanging out with him and and making fun of what happened to us or making he makes fun of what happened to me yeah. and I make fun of what happened to him and we got to have Regan on. It's so it's yeah, like that's by the way. Yeah. Your first guest, Brian Regan. <laughs> Where yeah. the hell do you go from there? Yeah, we uh, we've been lucky to have some other heavy hitters, but uh, yeah, Harlan's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> We're still waiting for Prior to call us. Okay, back. all right, well, uh, not Rain, uh, <laughs> the other one, and uh, <laughs> the less famous one, and um, yeah, it's very therapeutic. You know, it's a different thing than therapy, obviously, as you know, but like. Uh, most of my comedy is 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 making fun of uh problems i was in or things that uh did me where the universe kind of tripped me a little bit and i'm over it now so i like making fun of problems that i've solved or gotten over humor is a great way uh that sounds so corny but humor is a good way for to to for me to get over that stuff so uh, that podcast has certainly been therapeutic now with working with Caitlin, yeah, you guys were writing for a little while too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
how how much does she help you as a comedian? Just just having that motivation because you have to be pushing each other. Yeah, it's fu- it's funny how dating and I know a few people, a few great comedy couples, and you on the outside when you're before you're dating a comedian, you're like, how does that work? Yeah. Or that might be great. I never knew if I wanted to do it. And, you know, thankfully, I, I just like the person. Yeah, um, she's okay. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. She talked to me once. That's how, yeah. I, that's how I know her, her bar is low. Yeah. <laughs> she's so, she's so, uh, she's one of those people, too, to call back to, she is so generous and kind to everyone in the room that helps the show work. It's, no, it makes sense. She, I've learned a lot from people like that. She's good to the bartender, good to everybody. So, anyways, that's something I've learned, but she, you know, she gets on her case and thinks that there's days where she thinks she stinks or she's a fraud or whatever. Imposter syndrome is the term. And she has it, and I do. And thankfully, our cycles have not synced up. Right. So. Yet. Yeah, I'm worried that they will, but. Uh, we both suck. We should both quit. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm awful. I'm very worried about that day. But, you know, the beauty of it for us, at least, is we're saying the truth. So when she's on down on her herself, I can be like, "Hey, you're honestly one of my favorite comedians. Yeah. People love you. You, you know." So you just got to be there for your 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 partner, and thankfully she's there for me. And also, tough love is is important as well. So if I'm doing something that's wrong for me, she'll be like, "You're an idiot." Yeah, and jerk the steering wheel in another direction. So I I mean I've seen both of you, and I've seen yeah. both of you live and yeah. like, at open mics and at shows. How do you follow her? Uh, that is something... Just, just because the dynamics of you guys are both so different. Yeah. I'm glad that this has come up because this is an unspoken thing that I think about whenever we're in the room together when I'm with comics that I respect. I don't think I can follow her, but I have been able to do it. If anybody hasn't seen Caitlyn's set or... She's Steve's a powerhouse. Set, it's, it, it's just... Bonkers how yeah. different you guys are sometimes. That's a good album title for her. <laughs> Bonkers. <laughs> now I'll know if she listens. There you go. Uh, uh, um, she's a, bull, a strong bullet you want in your lineup if yeah. it's a showcase and a powerhouse closer if you need a, a headliner. And uh, thankfully, we're so different that um, it is kind of the easiest way to follow her is just for me to be myself. Not to be like, well, they like this about her, right. so I should adjust add this to me. And like, I have energy, nowhere near as much energy, but I also tell shorter jokes than her, so they get more jokes. I have to tell more jokes in order to fill the time. So they get different stuff, um, but I do like going before her because I like watching her. Yeah. So it's like, if I'm before her, I get to have fun, and then I get to watch her have fun. But if I'm after her. I get to watch her for a little bit, and then I got to go look at my stuff. So I can follow her, but I tend to like not to. Yeah. Too. But uh, also, I do think she's better than me, so <laughs> I like to go before her. Well, I I have to. Uh, we're not wrapping up yet, but okay. But I have to, uh, and I've said this to you, but I want to say it publicly. I'm a huge Tuesdays of Stories fan. Oh boy, Julius Martin. I think yeah, I guess it's great. I think it was a whole lot better before they mentioned you every other episode. <laughs> it's like, I cannot, yeah. I cannot get away from C. Rod. Yeah, it's and funny. And what's funny is I, I started listening to it late, yeah. and I kind of went backward yeah. a little bit. And every time one of those guys was in Syracuse, it seemed like they mentioned you. Yeah. You must have opened for them, or I don't know if you were featuring at that point, but you must have hosted for them just about every time they were in town. Well, for people that just found out I'm Mark, I'm not Mark Normand, uh, yeah, yeah, I get true. compared to that's him true. quite a, li- a lot. So I tend to not uh, try to be on shows with him. Okay. Although... I des- when I was starting out, I desperately wanted to because he was one of my favorite comics. But unfortunately, he's I have an incredible to- writer. He's so good. Um, I have to avoid listening to him in big doses because I can add his cadence. It's all, it's all the anxiety. It's a lot that's, of anxiety. That's what, that's what really triggered me to be like, oh wow, okay. Yeah, I I my voice sounds very similar to his yeah. and. Uh, I don't, we've had this discussion, me and him, but I'm very worried about people thinking I'm ripping him off. So I try to not listen to him in large doses, but I do love his stuff. J- that being said, Joe List is one of, another one of my favorite comics of all time. Sarah Talmash, it's another couple. I love Sarah. 
So any chance I can see Joe, and I consider Joe a good friend, and um, so I, I tend to be on shows with Joe more because they're seeing something different. Yeah, uh, I'm still a joke teller, just like Joe's a killer joke teller. But they associate me with Syracuse because anytime they were in town, I would try to at least do a guest spot because you want to be around people that you're like, I was talking about this with RJ last night. You're in the back of the room going, I'll never be that good. Yeah. That's just amazing. And you forget, oh, I've only been doing it single digit right. amount of years. Those two are people, they're the kings of, of uh, New York. A lot of people, like, people will stop what they're doing and go in the room to watch them do stand-up. Which has to be the biggest compliment. That's a compliment we all want. It's something we all strive to, to get. And the two of them are killer comics. And uh, the, the fact that they shout me out and say more than enough complimentary <laughs> things uh, is... A nickname. Yeah, there's a very nice that. nickname. Um, it's very flattering. And I... And I admire both of them and want to be as as polished as them someday. has that i mean you're obviously anxiety riddled oh yeah but like has that sunk in yet that oh maybe i'm not equal to them but they think of me i'm in their club uh does that make you feel like you belong at all i don't yeah, man, that's a wow. You've been talking to my therapist. Uh, <laughs> she's the third mic. She's just being quiet. Um, no, on uh, on all honesty, yeah. uh, I'm not there yet. It's funny. Uh, a good thing for comics, if you want to do a little reality check in the good in the good direction, uh, my therapist said, pretend you're talking about another comic and list what that comic is has done and is doing and then if you were to list the things you're like is that comic doing well and then uh, you're like oh wow they, they are then you're like yeah you're doing well uh, i didn't want to list my things because yeah. I, I can't compliment myself for anything I, i'm not there yet it's funny joe has given me crap about a joe list caitlin constantly does it's i don't know i think that's one thing that makes me work hard but it is something i want to feel is be like wow these people like what i do which is nice but I, i'm not i'm not there yet do you think if i don't know I don't no know. go this it is a weird me. no this is just i don't know how to ask this you're gonna get there eventually do you think you'll ever fully realize like you, you'll recognize it or will you always just be pushing for more no no it's just are you that that humble or or if you just need to feed off that motivation i'm not I, like it's not intentional it's i'm not forcing myself or uh practicing being humble uh, just seems to be who i am i lost your question as i was answering i, I think i lost it while i was as asking so we're uh but uh no matter how much success you have are you do you think you'll always downplay it and like oh no no i'm, I'm not i do have i have guilt for success okay. i notice i feel weird mentioning things that i've done Unless they're a friend. I can talk yeah. to you about it because we know that we like each other and it has nothing to do with the, – the comedy has nothing to do yeah. with it. I can talk to RJ about it because I've known RJ for a long time. I can talk to Caitlin about it because we're dating. Yeah. But it's when it's other comedians, I want them to know – I don't like people thinking I'm just talking about myself. I want, them, I want it to be clear it's a conversation and not a, hey, did you know I did this? Right. And I know a lot of people like that, and, you know, I don't dislike them, but I, it's hard to be around that kind of person. Um, also, uh, one thing I think is, uh, I'm a big Alice Cooper fan, and one thing he said is, uh, people that uh, are really good artists are the ones that think they haven't made their best stuff yet. Right, so you're always growing. You're always trying to make that best joke, that best late night, that best album, and... Uh, it's not a good, I'm not by any means saying that this is healthy, but I think a lot of my stuff is average or below average. So I I'm, think everybody can agree on that. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the word on the street. <laughs> that's the title of my album, uh, Below Average, and, uh, or Bonkers. But uh, so, you know, it's, it's, this is not healthy. I want people to know that I'm not uh, preaching this as a way to be, but... Uh, it is making me work harder, but I, I look forward to the day where I I constantly feel grateful is something you have to practice, being grateful. And uh, I am grateful, but I it takes a while to remind myself, oh, Brian Regan thinks I'm funny. Yeah. Or 
Joe List and Mark Norman have given me shout outs on their podcast and people respect their opinions. I ran into Todd Berry at a party. Oh like, God, oh, yeah, yeah. But that's just, I mean, yeah. that part of that is just being in New York City, but right. also working and getting to that level. Yeah, I, that's something that I want a lot is respect of the people I respect to no limit. Yeah. It's something that, uh, you know, it makes sure you work hard. You don't want, there's no uh, shortcuts, and uh, it makes you, I don't know. It, I want to be a comedian, and I look forward to feeling like I'm, I'm a good one. You, you mentioned the comedy Rushmore. Yeah. Who, who would your four be? Ray Romano, uh, Re- Regan, Ellen DeGeneres, and that's uh, interesting. Who the fourth? That's the problem with the yeah. when you're limited, you have seventeen alternates. We can go five, or if you want. Um, that's uh, a new head. That's interesting. I like to rotate out yeah. the the current. I let, but uh, the the three I just mentioned are definitely locked in. I don't necessarily like. And, and, you know, I loved every bit of Liz Raymond. Yeah. Oh. And I almost never think of Ray Romano first as a comedian. I love so, his stand-up. I think, I think maybe that's kind of gotten his way a little bit because of that. Yeah. His stand-up I, is great. I mean, it, in, you know, every everybody, the first couple seasons of their show yeah. is based on right. their stand-up. Right. So you know all of the stand-up, whether that, or not you think you know it. That Netflix special was just yeah. so good. And uh, his Carnegie Hall album is very good. Uh, Ellen's... Two HBO specials got me through high school. Right, Which, early 90s. It was so good. Um, and that was like revolutionary because yeah, was coming out. Yeah. I would say currently I'm, a, I'm very much into Bargazzi. He's a great writer. He's, like, He's yeah. a really good comic. It's weird to put uh, some people I've now hang Working out with, with and worked with. So it's harder now with some of them. But... I'm also a big Roy Wood Jr. fan. Father Figure is one of my yeah. favorite albums. Uh, Gary Goldman's uh, Talking to Inanimate Objects is one yeah. of my favorite albums. So I'm, you've, I'm, you've worked with him, too. I've been very fortunate. Uh, yeah, I sat next to him at a wedding recently. It was very crazy. Your own wedding. Yeah, you, no. you get married to him yet. Yeah, yeah, I propose. I haven't heard anything back. No. <laughs> um, it takes him a while. I've been listening to a lot of albums lately. So I, regardless if I know the comedian or not, which I, I've been enjoying... Um, Maria Bamford will be she's number great. four. Okay. That's number four. She's, and she's so innovative. Maria Bamford. That's my fourth one. The set she did in front of her parents. That, like, that, how do you do that? That hour is uh, her album's uh, Ask Me About My New God. It's my fav- one of my favorite albums. Yeah. And that's all due to Caitlin being like, you should listen to this person. And she's fantastic. What she does, and I think I mentioned this on one of my podcasts, but she used to do it. I don't know if she still does, but she would throw out a message on Twitter, say, hey, anybody want to open for me? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that's, because that happened in Rochester. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are the odds? Yeah. You know, I mean, somebody some, somebody at her level. Same thing that happened to me with Regan happened to Caitlin and her. Maria was at a festival and watched Caitlin, and then Caitlin opened for Maria for a couple of shows. That's great. It's very cool. That's the kind of stuff that makes you excited about comedy. It's just like, oh, just keep doing it for the love of the game, and the game will love you back kind of thing. Who would you want to open for most? I mean, is there? Mm. Let's say, let's say you've already opened for Regan. We don't. Yeah, to use him I'd love to work with Ray Romano. Yeah, I would love that, and I'd love to work with Maria, but I don't know if she and I would fit. But I'd love most of the people I'm listing. I just want to watch live. One of the best views in stand-up is from the side of the th- stage in a theater when the, you're watching them in front of the crowd, but they don't know you're watching them from the side. It's so cool. I'd love to work with Nate Bergazzi. I'd love to work with everyone I mentioned, really. Anyone that is like a that is just uh, solid, writes jokes, loves what they're doing, yeah. and is like, you can tell that they're happy on stage. It's crazy. Caitlin taught me is, uh, you know, you're, you're so focused. Oh, yeah, I should be smiling. I don't smile. Right. I don't smile. So I smile. I try to smile more on stage. It's like those people where you're like, oh, man, this person is having the time of their life. This is what they want to be doing. They're not stuck in this job. That's those are my people I like working with. First set I ever saw you do, not at an open mic, mm-hmm. was you open for Regan. Oh my god! Side, I think. Oh yeah. Right and and uh, but it was the first time I saw you do anything more than like five or ten minutes or twelve or whatever. Right. Mic. 
But man, you looked like you're in, you're in your element. I couldn't have been happier to yeah. be there. And it was it was great because I got I got seats for like I got two seats for eleven dollars. Oh man! Together, I think somebody made a mistake and stuff. <laughs> and I got that. But I'm like, so I'm in like a second or third row, and I'm like, and I just thought I'm like, I've never seen Rogers on stage for a show. Yeah. You know, I'd never gone to Buffalo or Rochester. Right. And I was like. Wow. Yeah. And it's like that. That was the first time I saw, and I'm sure you didn't jumble anything then, but that was the first time I saw this joke tied to that joke. Oh, yeah. Like, wow, yeah. That's a cohesive set. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I get it now. That's the thing when you do short jokes, is uh, for me, it's. Uh, I'll do as many short jokes as I have, but I like, I like them to tie together. It's more. Somebody gave me a very nice compliment where they said, uh, it's fun watching you because it's like uh, uh, you're just talking to your friends. Right. Yeah, I'm telling jokes. I wrote everything that you're hearing, but if they all kind of somewhat relate to each other and I put them in a, cl- uh, you know, a chunk and then don't fixate on the order, just go, okay, this chunk's coming up now. And now I just tell every, every single dating joke that I have or anything remotely about relationships. Or now we're talking about my parents. Yeah. It's fun to write the jokes, but then, and also like I'm a big Gary Shandling fan. He's on my, he's number five. Being in the moment is so important. So finding a way to make everything cohesive, but also be in this moment and not in your head. That's what my favorite thing on stage is when you're just in that show. Those are my favorite people to watch. They're not thinking about what they're going to order yeah. when they get off stage or, uh, oh, I got a late show after this. They're totally with us in this, this moment. And I, that's what happened at the On Center. It's like, those are your best sets, is when you're just in that show. And that's awesome. Do you remember your worst show? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> uh, All but one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, On Center was my peak, and it's yeah. been horrible ever since. Um, Pick one, and we'll start over that. I did a show recently in uh, upstate New York with Caitlin. We both had to do 40 minutes. But I bombed for straight 40. 40, 45 minutes. And, uh, and this is with a late show credit. This is with the late you know, show credit. I've done yeah. TV. You know, it's a good way to go. Yeah. No, nothing changes. Nothing changes anything. You know, uh, I could have had three late, no- late night credits. That wouldn't have changed how they reacted. So I, I, uh, I mean, that's wrong. I would have been better. Right. But uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I performed for 45 minutes straight and it Maybe there was laughs, but it was uncomfortable for all of us. Not fun for most of the time. But you're like, oh, this. these are the ones where you're like, okay, I just got to learn. This is also a learning experience. It's not their fault entirely. Um, and it's not entirely my fault. But, it, you know, it's one of those things. This is a learning experience. Don't just hate these people because you're not doing well. Find out what it is. And, you know, you hear your girlfriend laughing in the back of the room. You're like, okay, there's some funny stuff that's still happening, even if it's just how bad this is. Yeah, she's probably laughing at your painting. She might have been, because I get off stage and she said it wasn't that bad. And uh, then she went out and, and you know, they w- then you're like, well, they, if I'm not going to do well, she's going right. to do great. And then the same thing happened for them. And I'm sitting in the back of the room. Now I don't like them because I don't like her. And, you know, we get off. And then we laugh about how bad yeah. it was. So that's a fun thing, too, is laughing with comedians and how much it stunk. Or, you know, I heard this Bob Marley quote one time. Everyone on the show killed. Like, they murdered. And then they all sat down in the green room. And Bob Marley was like, uh, well, none of us got better tonight. Okay. And I always think about that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, no lear- Nothing to learn from. Yeah. None of us, none of us are better comedians because of that show. And Caitlin and I definitely got stronger from having to endure forty-five minutes, sticking to our time, doing every joke, trying to win them back, figuring out what they like. You know, you, you still learn something. I know. I host so many shows. Yeah. That I've I've learned that's made me better. Yeah. And I might not feel like I had a good set that night or whatever. Right. But I've now had to battle through it. Oh yeah. And then when I don't have when I can feature. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. All that work has helped me do this. Right. It's, it's another thing when people are like, uh, they go, how much time do you have? And, you know, they, they're like, oh, I can do 45. But I always thought about, this is what low self-esteem has helped me with, is how much can you t- time can you do when it's not going well? Right. So. It's going to speed up. Do you have, yeah, do you have 45 minutes when no one's laughing? 
and uh, found out that night that I do. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. It's, uh, you know, uh, expect the uh, party to be soon. Uh, there's an award ceremony. Uh, yeah. So it, I think you learn more. You can learn from shows that went well, but maybe you flubbed. I would, that's why I always try new jokes in a set. Um, I'll probably sneak in some tonight. It's right. just like, don't coast or, uh, you know, mailing. You could still mail it in by doing all of your killer stuff try to have some sort of goal in each set and then you'll come out with something some knowledge more than you had when you went in that's great man they're gonna kick us out eventually but oh yeah how, how, oh god how can people follow along with you the panic attacking podcast is out every monday on spotify and itunes and it's on my website stevenrogerscomedy.com twitter and instagram is at not steve rogers there's uh, Stephen Rogers Comedy on Facebook. But most of my activities on Twitter and Instagram and my website. Uh, go back and read the comments on, on your YouTube thing. Oh, the, God. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to. Oh, my God. No, but everybody should. Every third comment is like the Captain America. Oh, yeah, exactly yeah. why yeah. your Twitter handle is not, not Steve Rogers. Rogers. Yep. And somebody's like, why couldn't you make any jokes about that? It's like. Yeah, have some faith. Like, Come on. They're coming. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, I appreciate you having me on. No problem, man. Was this a was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and I can't wait to see you again in like six hours. Yeah, so yeah, gonna it's going to be fun. Portland. But thanks, man, and I appreciate Thank you. It. No problem. Take care. I'll talk to you in a minute. <laughs> so weird. I'm peeling back my sunburnt skin. I'll wait outside your bedroom. I hope they let me in.